smaller and smaller. And then, of course, God's solution usually requires an act of faith. As I think about uh, things that I faced in life, almost always, if it's a major issue, it's going to challenge my faith in some fashion. So here's what happens. So this prophet stands up and says, this is not your battle, this is God's battle. And uh, in the process of saying that, then uh, God gives them direction as to what to do. And what to do sounded rather ridiculous, frankly. In fact, it's the worst word a commander ever heard other than Joshua. You remember what happened to Joshua? God said, you want to win this battle over Jericho? Here's what you do. March around the city six times, seven times. March around it, blow the trumpets and so forth, and the wall is coming down. No way. <laughs> That's not the way you fight. Well, listen to this. He says, here's what you do. This battle's not yours. Assemble the choir. Assemble the orchestra. And then behind them, array your army. And then tomorrow, you start marching. And as you march, the choir sings and praises God. That's what he said. They're praising the Lord. They're talking about Jehovah. They're talking about Jehovah the Great One, Jehovah their God, the Creator. In other words, they're praising God and singing praises to God. Now, this is a real act of faith. I don't know how big a choir you would have had on this day, but the choir was going to face the battle with the army, and they weren't going to fight. They were going to sing and praise God. Did it take an act of faith? Yes, it did. Because it was so totally unreasonable. And sometimes, in order to accomplish his full purpose in our life, in a given problem, he's going to ask you to do something that's totally unreasonable. That's not something you think up. If you think it up, you'll back off. If it's something that you know that God is telling you to do that is very, very unreasonable, then what's going to happen? He's going to give you a surge of faith. God, it's unreasonable. I don't know how I could do this, but I'm going to trust you. They marched. They sang. And what did God do? He confused the army so that two of them attacked one, and when they finished wiping them out, the two of them attacked each other in such confusion. It might have been a nighttime, whatever it might have been. And when Judah got there, when the nation got there, all the enemy were dead. Sometimes you and I may look at our problems and say, God, there's no way. If he tells you to do it, the victory is already won. He's not going to lead you into some defeat. And the issue is, am I willing to trust him? When he asks me to do something that seems impossible or difficult, am I going to trust him? And that's the difference in him solving the problem and not. And then, of course, the last thing I would say is this. God's solution is always best. No matter what the problem may be, you could never solve it like God can solve it because you don't know all the ins and outs. You know what happened before, sometimes years before. You know what the surroundings are. You know what the environment's really like. You only know what you see and you feel and how limited we are. God's solution is always the best one, if you're willing to trust him. So, this week comes along and on your way to work, you have a problem. Or you may get a phone call before you get to work. So what are you going to do? Father? I know you're interested, you're bigger than this. I'm gonna trust you and watch your work. Here's what happens. After a while when problems arise, you won't fret and fear. 
You just see them as opportunities for God to grow you up. And if you get along in your life and everything is just going your way and you have no needs and everybody does what you want to do and on and only life gets a little monotonous, what you need is a good problem. <laughs> it is because you can, you can become very, very comfortable in your plenty and a good problem gets us back on track. Amen? You say, well, I'm not even a Christian. I want to go back for a moment to say this. None of this will work for you. Because you see, you can't reject the Father, can't reject the Son, and expect His awesome power to come into your life. And I would challenge you to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Here's what you ask Him for. Ask Him to forgive you for rejecting Him all these years. And tell Him that you want to receive Christ as your Savior and you're trusting Him as your Savior. Change your life forever. And I do mean for eternity. God has the solution to your problem, but you have to be willing to follow His guidance. Dr. Stanley's message urged us to say yes to God's direction. If you're a believer and genuinely willing to follow the Lord, He'll lead you through your dilemma. To listen again, click today on radio at intouch.org. And if you need some help discerning the will of God, be sure to search the many resources on our website that can guide you in following the Lord eagerly and with anticipation. And stop by our bookstore page if you'd like to order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, Solving Problems Through Prayer. Again, you'll find these resources at intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. Today's Moment with Charles Stanley helps us realize and appreciate the gift of time. It's just ahead. Are you living a life of preferences or one that's based on God's Word? To enjoy a strong life, one that makes an eternal impact, we have to break free from the factors that make us weak. In Dr. Charles Stanley's book, Standing Strong, believers will find encouragement to construct a life based on the strength of enduring faith built on uncompromised biblical convictions. To order your copy of Standing Strong, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. Does your prayer life need a jump start? With the In Touch Praying with Purpose cards, the time you spend talking with God will take on a whole new level of energy and intimacy. Beautifully designed and easy to use, or to share with a friend, there are prayers to lift up each day of the month, along with corresponding Bible verses and more. For your set of Praying with Purpose cards, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash store. You're listening to In Touch. Would you say that you use time productively? With a reminder for believers from the fifth chapter of Ephesians, here's a moment with Charles Stanley. To become the person God wants you to be and to achieve the things He wants you to achieve in life, one of the things that's very important is the way you utilize your time. Because you see, your time is your life. It's irreversible, you can't go back in time. It's irreplaceable, there's absolutely no substitute, and either we will invest it wisely or we will waste it foolishly. Because you see, time is a gift from God. 
And so when you begin to realize the value of time, if you're going to make the most of your life, make the most of your opportunities, then you have to put a value on time. You have to recognize how very important that is. And it is certainly the will of the Lord that you and I live our lives outright and we make the most of our time. Now when he says here, take advantage of every opportunity. Make the most of the opportunities God has given you. Don't waste your time. And so when we think about how we reach our potential, how we become the persons God wants us to be, achieve the things He wants us to achieve in life, it's very evident that a balanced schedule is essential to making that happen. We're driven oftentimes by the clock and the second hand as much as oftentimes the minute hand. We live in this kind of a pressurized society. Well, we have to be very careful that we govern our time, that we use it wisely, or we'll never reach the potential God has for us, never achieve those things that He has in mind. You can learn more about living the Christian life at InTouch.org. Tomorrow on InTouch, responding well to difficulty is rarely easy. So I hope you'll join us Friday to hear how to pray effectively in a crisis on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, recently in the New York Times, pop culture critic Amanda Hess argued that the immensely popular Australian children's cartoon, Bluey, is problematic. According to Hess, the cartoon offers an over-idealistic portrayal of parenting, especially of fathers. Not only is Bluey's puppy dad bandit, quote, a good father, he is a fantasy, when crafted to appeal to adults as much as children, end quote. Bandit seems even omnipresent in the seven-minute episodes, Hess complained too often playing with his daughters, too often doing the housework. He, and I quote again, represents a parent freed of drudgery, one whose central responsibility is delighting his kids, end quote. Now the reason why this positive portrayal of dads in Bluey is a bad thing has something to do with what former President George W. Bush once called the soft bigotry of low expectations. See, Hess is not really arguing here that cartoon dads shouldn't be good dads, but only that if they're too good, well then real life dads could feel guilty, and real life kids with absent or abusive dads could feel even worse. In other words, if everyone does not meet a high bar, we should lower it. In a strange sense, of course, Hess is making a case here that dads in fact matter, which they do. Craving a dad who's consistently present, attentive, and loving reflects something about who we are, how we were made, what we need, and whether we receive these things or not. We have this craving because it's built into the fabric of reality. We might wish and often repeat that men and women are interchangeable, and therefore moms and dads were too. But our own hearts say otherwise. In fact, social science data routinely confirm just how important dads are for the health and well-being of children. Kids who grow up without a dad at home are three times more likely to engage in criminal activity, more likely to engage in sexual activity earlier, less likely to go to college, more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems, more likely to struggle academically, and twice as likely to commit suicide. And, as author and professor Nancy Piercy recently described, the best predictor that a child will hold on to their Christian faith into adulthood is if their dad held on to his faith 
and also nurtured a close bond with his kids. Now, none of these data points mean, of course, that children who grew up without an absent or with an abusive dad are doomed to failure, or that children who grew up with faithful, attentive fathers are guaranteed for success. However, if we do know, both instinctively and empirically, just how important dads are, shouldn't we hope for more good fathers to be modeled in the media and elsewhere rather than fewer? In one episode of Bluey, called Hospital, Bluey and her sister pretend to perform surgery on their dad. As is characteristic of the show, a few jokes are clearly aimed at the parents watching. This one was quite familiar. At one point, Bandit, the dad, asked pleadingly if there's please another game that they could play in which he could just lie on the couch and do nothing. Now, this endearing example isn't one of perfect fathering that Hess is complaining about, but it is quite realistic, and it perhaps reveals the real problem people have with this particular cartoon dad. He doesn't treat his children like objects or status symbols or constant irritants as items on a bucket list or as obstacles to his freedom, prosperity, and autonomy just an obstacle to his nap. See, according to Hess, the problem with Bluey is that it never portrays the drudgery of parenthood, peddling instead some irrational idea that a parent should delight in his kids. In Hess's critique, it's as if it's not even possible for a dad to feel annoyed or bored or pulled in too many directions and still choose to play goofy games like Hospital because at the end of the day, he knows just how consequential his love and his time and his attention is to his kids. In fact, it's more than possible that the ratio of annoyance to lifelong importance is outrageously lopsided for parents. In fact, it's not only possible, it's essential because only a dad can be a dad. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.